Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right, we're going to get together this morning and we're going to uh, wrap up this, uh, this uh, series that we've been working on out of uh, Ezra. Uh, and we're going to be in Ezra chapter 3 today. And, you know, life uh, always, uh, I would say life is always an interesting journey, right? Uh, things change all the time. The, different things happen. At one moment, things go well. Another moment, we have some challenges in front of us. And, and there's some ebb and flow as we're on this journey. That's just the way it is. Uh, there's always going to be a little bit of opposition in our lives. But the great thing is that God will make a way. And that's something that we have to remember, that no matter what we face, is God can turn things around and make a way for us. And we're, fi- we're finishing our series build again today, and we are going, and we are going to see some opposition in the lives of the people that we read about here in, in uh, Ezra in a little bit. Opposition or resistance really is a fascinating thing, if you think about it for a little bit. Uh, for example, if you like driving cars, uh, you may, when you're in a vehicle, you know that you're headed down the highway and you're going to face wind resistance. And that wind resistance can do a few things against you. Uh, it can reduce your fuel mileage, and if the car is not designed well, it can really uh, slow it down and, and have to make it work harder. Uh, but, and sometimes uh, people, when it comes to resistance, they try to run over it, right? Sometimes people try to uh, deal with it that way. Sometimes people try to push resistance aside. And when you're driving a vehicle down the road, if you want to really go fast, you have to deal with that resistance. In fact, if a car isn't designed that great, uh, if you go really fast, it will actually pick the back wheels up off the ground and you'll spin your tires. That's in a performance car. But, and so to prevent that, what you have to do is you have to harness uh, the resistance of the wind. And then if you do that correctly, then it will act, the wind will actually shove the back of the car down and you will get wonderful traction and you'll be able to move forward. And we understand that life is kind of like that. We all face resistance on our journey. And so the best response is not to how to run away from it or not to ignore it, but to be able to harness that and to get some traction in our lives when it comes to spiritual things. And because God, we know, is always going to make a way for us. And we just have to be willing to follow him and say yes to him. Today we're going to look uh, at uh, what God was doing and how Israel was responding to the resistance they faced while they were rebuilding after their exile We've talked about that a little bit, but uh, we're gonna, we're go- we too are building again after our times of being separated, after all this stuff that we've dealt with in our communities, and, and, and now we're trying to get back to a normal life. But look with me over to Ezra chapter 3, and it's here we find that God's people, they've already built the altar for worship. That was one of the chief uh, items that they had, and they had already built this, and we saw that last week in a if you didn't hear that message, you can go to our podcast or also go online to TopekaFirst.com and, uh, and watch over again as well uh, the, uh, the video from last week. But Ezra chapter 3 verse 7 says this, 
It says, then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by the sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by uh, Cyrus, king of Persia. So they, they, they were already, the people of Israel, they had been there, they came back to the land and they started cutting deals to get things together and to get things going again. And they found people up from Sidon, Sidon's entire that's on the coast, uh, and uh, it's northwest of Jerusalem on the Mediterranean. And then uh, those guys, uh, you know, that's actually about a seven-hour drive. If you get on Google Maps and if you uh, jump in from Jerusalem up to, to Sidon, it's about a seven-hour drive on the highway. But if you take the other way, I'm sure it's faster if you jump in the sea or you fly with a helicopter or something. Uh, but anyhow, these guys back in the day, it wasn't a simple feat for them to move those logs. They had to ship them in, uh, and they had to ship them all the way south of uh, Sidon down to, uh, down, to, down to Joppa, which is west, and, or uh, Tel Aviv, I think now. And so they had to bring it in from that area by, by land as well. Could you imagine bringing all those logs in by land? That, that would have been, today, we'd, sit, we'd just call up a semi and say, hey, would you, uh, would you go pick up these logs for us? And it'd be a done deal. We wouldn't have to worry about it. But I, I don't know if you've thought about it. It's, it's not, even for us, it's not a simple feat to build again for us as a body as we step through all this stuff. And, uh, but, there, but it's more than possible. We find Jesus saying some things to his disciples in a couple different places. In one place, he said, for nothing will be impossible for God. And then over in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, he said it this way. He said in the New American Standard Bible, he said, With people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And, and you understand the context there, but, but, we, but we realize that no matter what we face in this life, that there is nothing impossible for him. But it's kind of like Jody said. We have to put our faith in him. We have to put our trust in him even before we see uh, his answer for us. And, and we, we must not let anything hinder what the Lord is, is going to do through us in our days that we rebuild. And let's look back over into Ezra chapter 3 verse 8 here. Pretty long chapter and it says this, in the, in the second month of the second year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem began the work. So these guys, they've been back there for a bit, and now they're starting the work. They're, they're getting it going. They, they took a while. They took a while to get started. They had to get settled down first, right? That's what they had to do. And so then they began, uh, began the work. It took a couple years down the road to be able to get to that place for them. So my first point is this, they began the work. They started. They, simp they simply had to get started. And for us as individuals, too, in our lives, there, there's times that we just have to get started. And we understand that Israel had already built the altar to begin worshiping correctly again. Because remember, they had been out of town for some years, right? 60 to 70 years. And, and now they began to, to start the heavy work. I don't know if you've ever had a project that you've needed to start and uh, you really needed to get going, but you, 
simply just haven't got it going for some reason. You don't know why. Maybe it's you weren't sure the direction you wanted to take in starting that project, or maybe you just you didn't want to do it, or maybe you didn't have the extra time. Uh, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I have those kind of projects around the house, and, and I'm not going to let Jody get back up here and tell you because there's probably a list of them. And so, but, but those happen, right? And uh, it's one way or the other. Uh, you have to find a starting place to be able to move forward in your life. You have to find that starting place. Sometimes we procrastinate in starting to do a, maybe a regular devotion to the Lord, uh, but it could be that. And so to build your relationship up with Him, it may be that you... Uh, that you have to get up too early. Maybe you're like, Jody, you have to get, get up an hour early by accident. Uh, but but maybe, it, maybe it's too hard to do that, or maybe you have to go to bed too late, and so it's too hard to do it then, and so you have to find that place, uh, and you don't ever seem to get started. But one way or the other, you have to be able to find that starting place. Sometimes it's about adjusting our priorities. Sometimes we have to adjust our priorities so that we can find the correct place to be in our relationship with God. And God's people, they had already started coming back to Jerusalem, but, but it still took them a while to get settled in and then to begin the ministry work and the, in the building where they were to worship God. And so look at what Ezra records in the, in the last part of verses 8 and 9 here. And it says, they appointed Levites 20 years old and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Joshua and his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hadaviah, well, the lovely names we have. I'm going to change that. Yeah, never mind. I'm not going to name any more kids Hadaviah. And, uh, and the sons of Henadad and their sons and brothers all Levites, they joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. So he, he brings these guys in. They are beginning to appoint some people to start serving. It's like they said, man, if you're 20 years old, you're old enough, buddy. We need to get you on the scene, and we need to get you to where you're out and supervising and helping us get this project going. Because what? They're trying to rebuild the house of the Lord. And, and you say, well, look, I, I'm, I am, I'm lucky now. I don't have to deal with that because I'm not 20 years old. <laughs> you, you may say, hey, I, I'm 15 or, or, or I'm 45 or I'm 60, whatever your age bracket. I kind of have a feeling, feeling from what we see in the scripture that he's just not naming everybody else. He's saying, look, you're 20 years old, you're, you're old enough to supervise. You know better, so you, you need to be able to handle that. I'm sure that those 15-year-olds are still serving. I'm sure those 60 and 70 and 80-year-olds, they were still serving. I'm sure those 40-year-olds, they were still serving. But, but he had to get things started, and they had to appoint some people to be able to supervise. And I can just imagine that they were probably not. Those supervisors probably weren't just hanging around and looking at them and pointed their finger at them. I bet they weren't. I bet they had a trowel in their hand and getting ready to lay some block and to get some things together so that they could move forward. So it seems like that Ezra, what, he, what he's recording here, it's showing that there was, they was getting some people with just enough experience to do the work. 
And, you know, sometimes we say, well, you know what, I don't have any skills. I really don't have any special skills that would allow me to serve uh, among the people of God. I, I don't have any of those abilities. That, uh, but usually that isn't accurate. When we say we don't have any skills, I think sometimes we, we look at ourselves in a humble position and say, well, you know, there's, I really don't have anything to offer. But the reality is, is everyone has something to offer in the body of Christ. Everyone does. We, we all have skills, abilities, uh, talents, gifts that God provides uh, for us. And uh, everyone can learn and everyone can help. And so look at what the Apostle Paul said over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. Taking you over to the New Testament real fast. And I like what he says here. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, uh, gifts of helping uh, or helps, is what some translation says, gifts of guidance or administrations, as some translations would say, and of different kinds of tongues. So he, he lays out some of those uh, giftings, and we say, hey, some of those seem real supernatural, but some of those seem very, very uh, just basic and standard type of gifts uh, for people to use, just, just the regular gifts. But it's amazing how he lumps these all together, because basically in my book, he's saying that they're all valuable. And that everybody is valuable, no matter if they view their gift as a spiritual uh, a spiritual thing or not, we realize that each one of our gifts are valuable to help others. So you see that gift of helping there, the gift of helps, that's an important part too. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ. We all have a part to play and God gives us that opportunity. Maybe your gift is assistance. And I can say I know those in the body that, that they would probably say, yeah, that's, that's what we do. They probably wouldn't even say that. They probably wouldn't want to be known as for uh, doing uh, the work of assistance or helps, but, but, but they do that. And so where would we be without people who uh, assist or help? Where would we be? We'd probably be in a, a world of hurt, right? It wouldn't be the greatest thing. I don't know if you guys have ever watched one of those shows on TV where they blow glass in a competition. Uh, and I, I've got, a, I've got a, fr a, a person I grew up in school with, and uh, she blows, uh, has a glass blowing shop. Uh, and, but uh, I watch these on the, on, the, on the TV where they will have these bl glass blowing competitions. And so it's interesting because they're showing off their skills and their abilities and their creativity as they form vases and all kinds, sculpture stuff, all kinds of things that they make. But I find something very interesting about that competition. They always provide them an assistant. They always provide them someone who is able to help them so that that person that is actually showing off their skills, their creativity, and their abilities, that's all fine and good, but they have somebody else that is helping them, and they blow in that pipe to be able to make that, that vase or whatever it is, and uh, they assist them and open the oven. They do all kinds of special things to be able to help those glass blowers to show off their skills and their abilities. 
where would, be, where would we be in the body of Christ without those who help? I can think of many who, who do that, but you may be skilled, uh, and you may not call yourself skilled, but, it, uh, but you are because you're willing to help those other people who maybe show off some details in what they do. We all, we all serve in different fashions. We wouldn't be online right now if it wasn't for Curtis back there working on getting things set up with his uh, skills and abilities. We, we just wouldn't. And uh, I think you've seen it when I've done it, or maybe I should say you haven't seen it when I've done that. <laughs> uh, we, we, have those, we have different ones who are skilled and have abilities, and they use them. And then some say, well, I don't really have much, but we use what we have. Uh, we, we know one of those gifts of helping in the New Testament, one of those persons we see is Martha. We see her in the New Testament, and, and we find her assisting the ministry of Jesus and the 12 disciples, and she was a person who was willing to serve. She was, in fact, she would get all uptight when her sister wasn't, was kind of sitting down and spending some time with Jesus and talking to him, and she, because uh, uh, she wasn't up doing what she thought, what Martha thought she should be doing. That, that doesn't, just because Martha was a person who was serving doesn't mean that she was less than because she served or helped. I would say that some of Jesus' 12 disciples were, were like that as well. Think about it. You have, uh, if you read through the Gospels, you find Peter, James, and John. They were the three main disciples that are up there right there with Jesus. Then you have the other guys around there too, and some of them probably uh, kind of held back a little bit, and that's okay. Everybody is different, uh, but without them, the ministry of Jesus may have even been hampered in that time. There's another guy in the New Testament that we find uh, his name was Barnabas, and he took a chance on a young man who just came to faith, and his name was Saul. And it was Barnabas that connected Saul, now named Paul, to the, the 12 apostles. It was him that did that. And the Barnabas seems to fade off in the book of Acts, leaving Paul in the forefront. We know Paul for all the writing that he did as he wrote the word and he shared the word of God to us. But Barnabas... His name means like son of encouragement, something like that. He goes by a nickname, uh, but that guy, he was a powerful individual that had an impact on Saul's life, and you have been indirectly impacted because of Barnabas' life. You have, and I have. He, he was an important individual, but he was a servant. Let's get back to Ezra over here in the Old Testament, in Ezra chapter 3, and he says this in verses 10 and 11. He says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and, the, and, and with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, uh, took their places to praise the Lord and prescribe, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With a praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever, ever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because, of the, because the foundation of the Lord, uh, the house of the Lord was laid. They're, they got the foundation laid. They got started, right? 
They took their time and got started. And when they got to that point, what were they? They were excited and they praised God and they were thanking God that God had given them that opportunity to be able to come back and to get things started. So the second thing here is that the people shouted with praise because the work was started. Are you excited? I hope so. Are you excited? Yeah, you guys are... <laughs> Yes, we're excited because we know God is going to do something. We're excited because we have this opportunity to rebuild again. And, and yes, you may have some apprehension, and that's understandable. We understand that. We live in a world with a little bit of apprehension at this point. But yet, I'm sure that the people of Israel had some serious app apprehension in their time. And you may wonder why. Well, if you look, God's people were called back to a land that had been ravaged by the Babylonians. They had decimated it, and it was torn apart, and they faced serious opposition. Could you imagine coming back to your town, and there was nothing left? It's all torn down. Houses burned out. Uh, buildings, the churches are burned down. Everything's gone. And now you see the remnants, you see some things sitting around there, and now you've got to come back to that, and you've got to start building again, and that's what they were left with. The third thing we see here is this, is the opposition tempted God's people. Because they faced some opposition. They were, they were tempted by the enemy, even though on the surface it looked good. And we find that here in Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. And it says here, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the, those are some of the tribes, when they heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build. Come on, guys. Because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of S.R. Haddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. doesn't mean they really served God. It doesn't. In fact, it is likely they did worship false gods and probably threw down some sacrifices to the true God too, but they were all mixed up. And so look at verse 3 there. He says, But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, you have no part with us in building the temple of our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel. And then if you jump over to the next verse, it says, Then the people around them said, uh, then the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and to make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials uh, to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius. They had some major opposition in this situation. They were hit from every side, weren't they? And they knew that these guys hey, said, hey, we'll help you out. But the reality was is they were just there to be, impede them. And so you, you want to you know what happened here is that God's people ended up having to stop rebuilding. They had to stop. And, uh, and so they, they did this, and after all this work, 
Uh, you can imagine what it was like for them, and they had to spend a couple years settling in, and, and then they had a legal fight that got in their way, which is really kind of what happened to them. And, and uh, so uh, then these kinds of things, when these kind of things happen, you have to step back and get the right perspective from God. So that's when we have to step back and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? How do you want us to handle that, those kind of things? And so opposition will come, right? Those things will happen. Resistance will come in our lives, and that's just, some, that's just part of life. And maybe your life has felt this way. I don't know. Maybe you feel like you've had some resistance in your life, and you're trying to say, God, what do you want to do in this thing? Maybe your week has been that way. And you may, maybe you feel like you can never rebuild your life again, but you must not give up. You must not let go of God's hand. You have to be able to look to Him in faith and trust Him and recognize that in time, He will pull things together in His own way. This reminds me of over in James, in the book of James chapter 1. It's a powerful reminder to us to get the right perspective. And it says in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 6, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let uh, perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. If any, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Verse 6, he says this, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And then he goes on from there. It's interesting. I don't know how, I don't know what James was thinking of when the Lord gave him these words. Consider it joy. Why in the world would we consider it joy when we face opposition in our lives? Why would we consider it joy when we face resistance in our lives? Well, because we know that God is going to turn that thing around and use it for good in our lives. That's why. Because we know that he can do that. He has the ability, and that's why we have to trust him and keep moving forward with him, knowing that he will walk with us. That's what we have to do. And we have to ask him for wisdom in those times. Have you ever been tempted to give up? Have you ever been tempted? I'm sure that most people have been tempted to give up on any venture that they've been in, and I'm sure that you have, but remember that God can use any resistance or opposition in your life to make you mature and complete and lacking nothing. So if you're stuck in the middle of resistance, what do you do? You harness it. You harness it, and you say, how in the world do you harness it? You harness it by asking God for wisdom, by asking God for direction, and saying, God, which way do I need to run at this point, or which way do I need to walk, or do I need to sit down? Why would anybody sit down in the middle of opposition? There may be times that he directs you to do that. And we have to be willing to allow the Lord to speak into our lives 
And we have to harness that resistance. And then we need to believe and not doubt. We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him. If the temptation to give up comes, remember that what Paul said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He said these words, and I love these words. They're powerful to every person. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Then he says, and God is faithful. Let me hear you say faithful. faithful. He's faithful. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. We can face some real tough things out there in this world, and just in general life, right? We can face those things, and that's okay because he's not going to allow it to go beyond what we can bear. And it may feel like at times that God is uh, like overzealous of, uh, and that he's going to throw a little bit more on us than what we can handle, but he is with us. And then he goes on to say, but when you are tempted, he will also, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Got to remember that one. Some of you need to write that passage down. Some of you need to put that down and put it in your book. Some of you need to put it in your wallet. Some of you need to put it in your pocket. Maybe you need to write that one on your mirror. I don't know, but you need to have that one down because God will provide a way out. That way you can endure it. Jesus even told his disciples over in Mark chapter 14, verse 38, and pray so that you will not be will not fall into temptation. He's saying, hey, we, we all need to be aware. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I, I don't know that we are ever ready for temptation, that any one of us are ready for that, but that's simply uh, it, that's simply how it works. It's simply how it works, and just remember to be prayed up and pay attention and be aware of what God is doing and what, resist, what resistance is happening around you so that you can allow God to work in your life and ask Him for wisdom. Do, do you know that Israel was stopped from rebuilding? They were stopped from rebuilding for quite a while, and then something happened. The next king took over. And really, there's a great story in all that, and I, we don't have the time to go down through all of the detail of that, but it's pretty cool what God did there. And you can go back on your own and read and see what took place there. But we understand that resistance came, but that was not the end of the story. Ezra chapter 6, verse 12 says this, May God who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, that's the king, I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. See, in the end, they got to build again. In the end, they were able to build again. And as a body... We may face resistance in this world just to the nature of the situation that we're in in this world to build again, but that's not the end of our story. 
It's not the end of our story, and you personally may face resistance or opposition in your life. You could name many things that it could be. And you, if, if that's you today, you know what that is, and you can take that to the Lord and put it in His hands and trust Him. But just remember, that resistance, that opposition that you face in your life is not the end of your story. It's just simply not. Because God has a bigger plan for you. And don't let the temptation to give up or to turn away stop you from following God's will to build again in your lives. Don't let those things get in your way. Don't let temptation to pull you away keep you from building in your life. Don't let the resistance of the wind keep you from getting the traction that you need on the racetrack. We have to harness those things that may resist us or hinder us and then allow God to do His work in our lives. Amen? May you hold that this week in your hearts. Would you stand with me? I pray that you would hold that this week and allow God to continue to speak into your hearts. For some of you, that may be a word for you today. For others... That may be a word for you for the near future or further out, and you may have to step back and recognize that though resistance may come, I know God has my back and He's going to take care of my life. And it's important for us to realize this isn't the end of your story. It's not the end of our church's story. It's not the end of your story as you put your faith and trust in Him. And when things come that are challenging, ask Him for wisdom. Trust that He will work in your life. Let me pray for you this morning. There's some of us going to be down here to pray for anybody that would like for us to pray for you specifically. And we will be glad to do that. We just ask that you wear your mask. We'll wear ours. But otherwise, listen, why don't you open your heart up to God this morning and say, God, here I am. Here I am, God. No matter what resistance I face, I'm going to look to you and I'm going to trust you. Let's pray together, and then we'll sing this final song. Father, you are so good. Father, you are so strong, and there is no limitation on you, Father God. There is nothing that can, that can roll over you or your grace in our lives. Father, we thank you. Father, we can rejoice that even though we may face resistance at times, you are here with us. And Father, you are the one that helps us to rebuild again. You are the one who enables us to live in such a way that your name is going to be praised through every, through every community, through every town, through every city, through every rural county. Father, you care. And Father, we offer ourselves to you this morning we ask you to let your kingdom come in us. Father, do your work in us. Finish that thing that you've started and help us to start again. Help us to start again in faith as we look to you in Jesus' name.